You may have had an encounter with someone from a group called the Jehovah's Witnesses. Maybe they left some of their literature in your mailbox. Maybe they knocked on your door. Maybe you had an extended conversation with one of them at a park or public place. At first, it would seem like they're just another Christian group with an intense dedication to evangelism. But as you interact with their doctrine and teachings, things can get confusing fast. So what exactly do the Jehovah's Witness believe and teach? What about their translation of the Bible and their belief that Jesus wasn't God and the 144,000 faithful Jehovah's Witnesses, citing Revelation 7-4, who will go to heaven? So let's take a deep dive into the fascinating and sometimes complex world of the Jehovah's Witnesses. But more than that, let's talk effective strategies for engaging with their members in a Christ-like way, using the power of scriptural reasoning, respectful dialogue, and meaningful discussions. So, knock, knock. Who's there? The Jehovah's Witnesses. Welcome, everybody, to the Beards and Bible podcast. My name is Josh, and uh, I'm joined this lovely evening by my good friend Gabe. Gabe, how are you doing tonight, man? Doing awesome. Doing awesome. Thank you. Yeah. yeah you you, you kind of seem... I think we both probably were like in a frantic frenzy to try to get on tonight mm. to record. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what's yeah, going on in your world? Upstairs. I just got a guy upstairs doing drywall work and he's scraping popcorn off of my ceilings because I bought a house that was built in the eighties. It has this wonderful, wonderful texture on the ceiling called popcorn. Yes. And, uh, yeah, we're systematically going through and eradicating it out of our house. And then, yeah, Mm. it's, it's a mess. It's a mess. It is a lot of work and I have to, I have to hire it out. I've done plenty of it myself. I've removed plenty of popcorn off of ceilings, and I'm horrible at it, and it's a ton of work. So I'm just like, you know what? We're going to hire somebody to do this. You're a smart man. So mm-hmm. when you remove popcorn ceilings, do you use moisture? Is moisture a friend to help you mm-hmm. scrape the ceiling? Is that kind of how it works? Yes, yes. You have to moisten the ceilings. And mm, so there's like plastic the on them. <laughs> <laughs> Those are just, it's like a verb and a noun that just don't go well together <laughs> in a sentence. What do you do? Well, I'm a ceiling moistener. Let yeah. me go moisten so, the yeah. ceilings. Yes. So, so like the whole kitchen right now is like this co- cocoon of plastic, and and you walk in, and it's like you're walking into like the jungles of Burma. It's so mm. humid and hot, and there's just like popcorn raining down everywhere. Just it's it's a mess. Yeah, it sounds messy. My goodness. Yeah, it's a very first world problem. That's true. About, that know. is very true. Yeah. Hey, hey, so do you want to hear a funny story? Something that happened to me today. Hmm. Well, even if you didn't say yes, I would still tell you because I think it's funny. Mm. So um, I've been getting spam calls on my phone for like, uh, gosh, I don't know, the past like three or four months. It's like really bad. (laughs) And I got one from Kingston, Jamaica. Mm. And I was like, what? This ought to be good. So I answered and I was like, hello. And some guy was like, hello. This is Publishers Clearing House. My name is Robert Jones from Publishers Clearing House. And I just started laughing. And I said, come on, man. You're not <laughs> Robert Jones from Publishers Clearing House. I said, like, come on, man. He goes, no, no. I'm Robert Jones from Publishers Clearing House. And I've called to inform me. I said, hey, 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 hey. I said, listen, I've got color ID on my phone. You're from Jamaica. I said, listen, and, and right now you're calling me and you're trying to scam me. But man, that's no way to live. Like, come on, dude. You you don't need to be lying and stealing. I said, listen, God loves you and he's got a wonderful plan for your life. And he sent Jesus, the son, to give you new life. And uh, I just want something better for you, man. I, I want you to follow Jesus and know Jesus, not live lying and stealing like this. I said, <laughs> what's your actual name? Like, tell me your actual name. He goes, it's... It's Robert Jones. I said, no, come on. I said, what's your actual name? He's like, well, okay, it's DeMarco. I said, okay, DeMarco. What part of Jamaica are you from? And he told me uh, Negril. I said, oh, yeah, I've been to Negril. And so we chatted for like a couple of minutes. 
And then I said, uh, hey, DeMarco, can, can I pray for you, man? And he was like, yes. So I prayed for him. <laughs> hmm. And we left the phone call as friends. Wow. And then so he called the... me back this evening sometime, and I got to call him oh, back. Oh, no. So. <laughs> DeMarco may be moving, moving in with you here shortly. I guess. I don't know. I mean, I, you got Jamaicans are Jamaica super, now. Jamaicans are like the nicest people ever. Like yeah. I, I really like Jenny and I took a vacation to Jamaica a couple years ago and we didn't connect with hardly anybody on this resort, but we connected with the Jamaican staff that was working there. And like, we hear about their families and like talking about like where they're from and ended up like praying with some of them. And cause a lot of them are Christian. And, um, so yeah, I don't know. It was kind of a, it was a funny, funny incident. I never expected that. I didn't think he would like stay on the phone. I thought he'd hang up on me when he realized the gig is up, but I guess he just yeah, wanted to, yeah. to hmm. hear it. So you ought to have him on the podcast. Yeah, I should. Yeah. Tell me what it's like with to the, be a... with the, uh, with your UPS friend guy. <laughs> what was his name? Uh, that's Jeremy. Yeah. Jeremy. That's right. Yeah. The GPS guy. Yeah. There you go. Hey, yeah. speaking of, uh, spammers and door knockers, hmm. have you ever had a Jehovah's witness knock on your door? Yes, indeed, I have. Tell me about that. Uh, I just, I just locked the door, and oh, no, I'm just kidding. No, no, we had, we had uh, Jehovah's Witness when we lived down in Lakeland, Florida. We had Jehovah's Witness that would come by, and they came by during the day when I was gone to work, and so um, it was, it was a few ladies, and they ended up talking with Stacy. Um, and yeah, they're, the thing is, they they kind of want to come into your home and do like Bible studies with you and stuff, and so yeah, um, yeah. So long story short, like you know, they they hit some some major impasses. Uh, after doing a number of different Bible studies with Stacy and Stacy just kind of held her ground and was like, look, I'm not budging on these things. And yeah, just, good for her, you know, I'm not going to see eye to eye on this. And they just kind of just tapered off and coming. Hmm. Well, your wife is yeah. like the nicest, gentlest human mm-hmm. in the world. So yeah, um, yeah, I can see Stacy being super kind and, and nice and welcoming to uh, some, some J dubs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we got an email from our friend Malachi. Thank you for emailing us, Malachi. Hmm. Appreciate you. And uh, he sent us an email. And his email says, I recently had a gentleman named Tim come to my doorstep with the intention of moving me towards JW, which is Jehovah's Witnesses. I've invited him back on multiple occasions and have made myself clear that I won't convert to JW. Long story short, we've become somewhat of acquaintances, and I don't view him as a bad person at all, just misguided. Last weekend, I took a very hard stance on why I would never consider becoming a JW, with the main premise being they deny the deity of Christ. He says his goal isn't to convert me. However, it's just to have conversations. I'm inclined to believe him since, from the stories I've heard, this is the most persistent JW ever, and he was willing to go back and forth, compare my Bible with his various scriptures. Yeah, that's a good sign. Uh, what we ended with was an agreement to disagree and still be friends. So he says, my question is how I should go about a further conversation utilizing apologetics, specifically highlighting Jesus's deity. And then he sent us a bunch of verses on that. So, I mean, I just, I thought that was a super interesting, but not just interesting, like a super relevant topic of conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you get asked this by people in your church? Have you been asked from people in your congregation? No, not really. Um, we just don't have a big Jehovah's Witness community, I think, in, in Dothan, Alabama. So hmm. I, don't, okay. I don't really get this a lot, no. Yeah, I um, we have... So you've been to, to my church, and you've seen how small of a town I live in. Mm-hmm. So I pastor in a town of about... 2,500 to 3,000 people in the town and in the county. The county is only about 13,000. Um, and so we're a very small rural community in Middle Tennessee, but we have a kingdom hall of Jehovah's Witness in our little community, which is really unusual. Hmm. Um, at least I think it's unusual. I mean, does it seem to you like it's mostly in cities where you see a Jehovah's Witness presence? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it just depends. I mean, we have a kingdom hall here in Dothan, but our, you know, we're probably hundred thousand people inside. Oh, well, okay. exactly. But yeah, so it's kind of diluted more. So they don't right. really have as much of a of a reach here. But yeah. yeah, but I mean, I've been driving like through 
you know, the city of Iganga in Uganda, eastern eastern Uganda, and seen, you know, a, a kingdom hall there mm-hmm. and, you know, the very, like, probably 70 to 80% Muslim city. Hmm. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, this is a worldwide movement. Um, mm-hmm. And and that's one there. I, I feel like I, a couple times a year, will get somebody that asks me in my church or, you know, somebody like our, our friend Malachi sends in an email basically saying, hey, what what is it that Jehovah's Witnesses believe and how do you talk to them? Because I've got a friend, I've got a coworker, I've got some folks coming to my door. So I think in order to really effectively witness and, and reason with somebody in this group, the Jehovah's Witnesses, I think it's helpful to know a little bit about them and their history and their beliefs. And so hopefully we'll unpack some of that tonight. Um, so I, I think having an apologetic strategy is is helpful and we'll kind of um, spend sort of the last part of this episode going through a very simple apologetic strategy that uh, Mike Winger, he's a YouTuber, uh, suggests, which I, I feel like is just the most straightforward and simple apologetic strategy. But I, I think it's really important to keep in mind there's probably not going to be like a checkmate or a gotcha answer that's going to lead to a Jehovah's Witness instantly converting on your front porch. Unless, I mean, the Holy Spirit just comes and just, you know, blows somebody's socks off. I don't, I don't think that's usually how it works. I think it's more, you kind of give them something to think about. They go away and they think about it. And then you, it opens up a dialogue that goes on over time. And then eventually that person uh, decides whether or not they want to, to leave or not. But there's a good reason for them not to leave. And we'll talk about that here in a minute. So, cool. Sound good? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, we could talk a little bit about the Jehovah's Witnesses and how they began. And then we'll get into what they believe. But uh, Gabe, tell me who was Charles Taze Russell. Do you know Charles Taze Russell? Do you know that name? Hmm. I think he started the Jehovah's Witness movement in 1870. Yes. Uh, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, if you I'm think not his, mistaken. You think his friends called him Tazy? Taser? <laughs> Yeah. What's up, Taser? Don't tase me, bro. There's CTR. What's up, CTR? Charles Taze Russell? Mm. Tazy, Tazy? Mm. Yes, he did. So he started it, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, 1870. And it really emerged from the Bible student movement that Taze founded. So a back to the Bible, get in your Bible, study your Bible, find the hidden truths of the Bible, that kind of thing. But then he kind of started disputing some of the more traditional views of Christianity, and that gave birth to his own group called Jehovah's Witnesses. So we can thank our boy Charles Charles Taze Russell for that. Hmm. So Gabe, what were the main tenets of mainstream Christianity that he seemed to butt heads with? Yeah, kind of question. Yeah, Um Includes immortality of the soul. He challenged mainstream Christianity on hellfire, predestination, the fleshly return of Jesus Christ, the Trinity, and the burning up of the world. <laughs> some, uh, some, yeah, yeah, some, it, some big points of contention there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that what Stacy seemed to disagree with your Jehovah's Witness friends, or was it more the the big one, the divinity of Christ? Mm, yeah, it was definitely that. I, I don't remember okay. what else, though, but that that was definitely a big one for sure. Okay. Well, we'll get into some of their beliefs because it is, I mean, we, there's ones that we are more familiar with, and then there's ones that are more obscure. But uh, mm-hmm. so 1876, uh, Charles Taze Russell met a guy named Nelson H. Barber. They wrote a book called Three Worlds. And this is where the Jehovah's Witness really started branching into eschatology, like end time stuff. And forming a very kind of detailed eschatology that's kind of been a trademark of their movement ever since. Hmm. So Charles Taze Russell died in 1916. A guy named Joseph Franklin Rutherford became the leader of the Jehovah's Witness. And I have a bunch of stuff about kind of the stuff he did, but we'll kind of skip down to uh, what happened in 
1932, or was it before that? Hmm. He so basically what Rutherford did. And this is why he's well known. He changed their central organized governing body called the Watchtower Society. He made it a lot more organized, a lot more aggressive in spreading its beliefs. And he introduced a lot of new doctrines, including the doctrine that the world was was going to end in 1925. Hmm. So that's kind of unfortunate if you date set and then it doesn't happen. So, um, so the Jehovah's Witness headquarters is in Brooklyn, New York. Watchtower Society is their headquarters. And um, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of grown into a global I mean, the fact that you saw the Jehovah's Witness uh, Kingdom Hall in Uganda, I mean, that's pretty significant, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got to look up and see if the headquarters are still in Brooklyn, New York, because it might have um, moved. But I remember seeing the headquarters uh, when I was hanging out with Tony. Hmm. Um, okay, I just looked. They relocated their headquarters to upstate New York. So I thought okay. I had read that somewhere. So, But yeah, so that's a little bit about their history. Um, kind of unfortunate when you say the world's going to end in 1925 and it doesn't. So, yeah. So let's uh, let's look at some key features of the Jehovah's Witnesses, shall we? Sure. You want to take the, let's see, how about you take the, looking at eight, you take the, the odds, I'll take the evens. Does All that right. work? Yeah, right. yeah. So... We're going to go through eight key features of the Jehovah's Witness. And uh, number one, that the Father alone is God. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses hold to the sole deity of the Father on the basis that Jehovah, a frequently used English rendering of God's covenant name in Hebrew, is represented as the only God in Scripture. So denying classical Trinitarian doctrine, the Jehovah's Witnesses adamantly reject the idea that there are three persons in the Godhead. In their attack on historic Christian doctrine, the Jehovah's Witnesses insist that a belief in three persons in the Godhead is equivalent to a belief in three gods, which I guess would be like, you know. Tritheism, uh, multi, yeah, multi-gods. Poly- polytheism, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, so explain, because I mean, you're, you're more of a Hebrew scholar than I am, <clears throat> the difference between Jehovah and Yahweh. Yeah, that's a really good question. So um, God's... Name is spelled with four Hebrew letters, Yud, Hey, Vav, Hey, and there's a lot of disagreement on how those are to be pronounced and vocalized. Um, there's a large group of people that say it's supposed to be like Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Um, if you take those four letters and you superimpose on them the vowels for the Hebrew word Adonai, which means my Lord or my Master, if you superimpose those vowels on top of the tetragrammaton, the, the Yud, Hey, Vav, Hey, some people say you get the the um, vocalization, Yehovah. Um, hmm. And so in theory, if that's true, the Jehovah's Witnesses have taken that um, almost like a circumlocution, like a substitutionary kind of um, vocalization and mistaken, mistaken that for the right name of God. Um, whereas hmm. some people do believe that God's name would have been pronounced Yehovah and not Yahweh. So really it's just a disagreement over how God's four letter name is is actually pronounced so it's, it's it can't be both it can't be both yehovah yehovah and it can't be yahweh it has to be one or the other and the jehovah's witness went with yehovah but they made you know the had kind of the more germanic j sound at the beginning where we get the jehovah from yeah huh that's super interesting mm-hmm. where do you where do you fall on that i mean do you think it, it was yahweh or it was because I mean, I most, most Jews probably wouldn't have said the tetra, tetragrammaton. No, no, yeah, it's 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 definitely not used within Judaism today. It gets so holy, um, you don't pronounce it. But they I, would I don't say know. Hashem, I, I, right? Hashem, yeah, yeah, which just Hashem, means the yeah. name, the name Hashem, yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Um, I've seen credible evidence. I've counted um, 
13 or 14 different ways that some scholars um, of varying reputability <laughs> have said mm. that the name should be pronounced um, about 13 to 14 different ways. Um, and I think, I think he'll teach us one day how to actually pronounce his name. But sure. for now, um, <laughs> you know, I, I go with what, what Jesus did, and that is call him Father, call him Abba. There and I go. think that's, that's sufficient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so that would be kind of the the primary uh, feature of the Jehovah's Witness group is that mm-hmm. there's one God, there's not three persons in the Godhead. And so the second key feature is since Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe in the triune God, they teach that Jesus is a created being. Specifically, he's the Archangel Michael. And so they will refer to Jesus as the only begotten of God. And so they'll say that Jesus is the first of the created beings of God. Um, And Jesus agreed to be placed in the womb of the Virgin Mary in order to be sacrificed for the sins of humanity. But they don't really believe in Jesus's death, you know, propitiating the eternal wrath of God, since they don't believe in the deity of Jesus or an eternal punishment, they kind of have their own understanding of atonement that differs from, uh, you know, what we would believe as, as Orthodox, uh, Christians. Hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's like the big impasse that we get to, uh, between, you know, historic biblical Christianity and the Jehovah's witness, Right. Um, and, and so again, the deity of Jesus is like, that's a deal breaker, right? I mean, you can't really Mm -hmm. say, oh, you guys are just a different church. Well, no, you're not Christian if you don't believe in the deity of Jesus. Mm. Um, so then when it comes to the Holy Spirit, because the Jehovah's Witnesses will say, if you believe in Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, three persons, uh, you believe in three gods. So the way they understand the Holy Spirit is it's not a person of God, it's like this emanating an active force of God. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's almost like the force in Star Wars kind of, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I was just about to say that. Yeah. Yeah. So um I looked this up today because I was like, okay, so how do you how does somebody get saved? Like how does somebody get forgiven of their sins? So somebody saved in the Jehovah's Witness group, if you repent of your sins, you trust in Christ's ransom sacrifice. Again, Christ is the Archangel Michael, but he was sacrificed for you. You call upon the name of Jehovah, you're baptized, and you identify the Jehovah's Witnesses as God's organization. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So pretty interesting, interesting in that. A little bit creepy. Yeah, just a little bit. That's kind of not biblical, but okay. Um, well, yeah, do so number three thirdly, for us. Yeah. yeah, so thirdly, the Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe in eternal punishment. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses insist that there is no eternal torment for unbelievers in the afterlife. In Jehovah's Witness theology, the body and the soul are inseparable, so the soul dies with the body. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses believe that the physical death was the only thing Adam suffered when he fell in the garden. According to Jehovah's Witnesses, there is no immortal soul. Hmm. Hmm. That's pretty interesting. Hmm. We did an episode on the different viewpoints of hell, mm-hmm. and there is a viewpoint called annihilationism. Right. And so annihilationism, I can't, can't say that word tonight, annihilationism, I think I said <laughs> that right. Um, man, it's on a spectrum. Like there are some um, people that one could say, man, you're an evangelical Christian, like John Stott. He was an Anglican theologian. Um, and he was an annihilationist, but there's like a spectrum that it runs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and kind of the more conservative people on that spectrum would call this like conditional immortality. Mm-hmm. So that when someone is sent to hell, their um, punishment they receive it's not eternal because they quote, you know, passages from like the gospel of Matthew where Jesus says, don't be afraid of those who can harm the body, but if you're afraid of who can destroy both the body and the soul in hell. Um, and so they say like eventually, you know, God ends that person's, um, you know, they're not immortal and immortality is a gift of the, the new birth. So, hmm. 
Um, Jehovah's Witnesses, I think, take it a step further than that, where this becomes like a a really big deal, and this becomes like a major for them. So that that's pretty interesting that that's kind of a, yeah. a thing they they insist on. So, do you remember we talked about that in the the hell yeah. episode we did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. Where do you fall on that? Like, where what do you what do you think about that whole doctrine of conditional immortality or annihilationism, mm. as the Jehovah's Witness would teach it? I'd have to go back and re-listen to to what I said in the podcast. <laughs> no, I think. <laughs> I think uh I think I was like a partial annihilationist. Um mm-hmm. uh it's just nothing I it's it's something I don't dwell on a lot, so I can't really but yeah, I think um I definitely believe in a immortal soul uh right that that goes to be with God upon death, um and at the resurrection when those souls are put back in our bodies. Uh Revelation nineteen and twenty talk about uh you know the two resurrections, one of those who who um, died in Christ, and then the second being seems like everyone else, and then they are judged according to their deeds. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's um, I definitely I definitely am not in agreement with the stance on that. The Jehovah's Witness for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting topic. I think that's definitely one where I think most responsible scholars would say hell is real. Jesus talked that hell is real, mm-hmm. but can we be dogmatic about the specifics of hell? I don't think we have enough details in scriptures to be, but we know it's real. We are to warn people of the judgment to come. They can escape judgment through belief in Christ, but being dogmatic about the specifics of, you know, is there a little literal lake of fire? Is that figurative language? I think that's probably more of, Hey, we got to be honest that we don't know the specifics as much about hell as we do about heaven. So interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so next trait of the Jehovah's Witness would be eschatology. So the study of end times, this plays a huge role in their doctrine and teaching. And so if a Jehovah's Witness comes to your door, they will have uh, usually two different publications. One would be a watchtower and the other one, I put it in the show notes, can't find it. We'll talk about it here in a minute. But one of the things that you'll see them try to invite you to is like a Bible study to talk about the end times or a Bible study to talk about, you know, what, what does the last days look like? Right. So, um, their eschatology states that Jesus has been ruling in heaven as King since 1914. Hmm. And that's the date they believe was prophesied in scripture. And that after that time, a period of cleansing occurred resulting in God's selection of the Bible students associated with Charles Taze Russell to be his people in 1919. So they believe the destruction of um, those who reject their message and thus willfully refuse to obey God is going to take place at Armageddon. And then there's going to be like this new earthly society composed of willing subjects of that kingdom. And so, um, Man, it's super interesting. There's all these different dates that they set surrounding the year 1914. Uh, There was emphatic claims the years 1799, 1874, 1878, 1914, all of this stuff, the only people that are saved are Jehovah's Witnesses. And I mean, it's just, it's like a really heavy emphasis on their mm. teaching, which is super yeah. interesting. And it's honestly kind of confusing for those of us who are not Jehovah's Witness to follow it <laughs> because it's so, <laughs> so many like prophecies and this word, this watchtower said it here, but this publication corrected that and said this prophet didn't get it right. And so, yeah. Which I just kind of think that's a litmus test to know that's probably a a cult group if you've date set and your leaders keep getting it wrong, but you keep date setting. <laughs> that's just me. It's so fun, though. <laughs> it's, it sells books. It does. Hmm. All right. Give us number five. 
Yeah. So the Jehovah's Witness, Witnesses teach that the 144,000 that are mentioned in Revelation 7, 4, they're the 144,000 faithful Jehovah's Witnesses who will go to heaven. The remainder of the faithful Jehovah's Witnesses will be resurrected and live forever on earth. Those who die without hearing of Christ or knowing God's will in the Bible will be raised in the resurrection of the uh, of the unrighteous and will have a second chance to believe in the teachings of Jehovah's Witnesses and obey God and to be included in the final inheritance of, of the eternal life on earth. Anyone who does not attain to the eternal inheritance by failing to believe and obey the teachings of Jehovah's Witnesses will be annihilated. Hmm. So it's interesting. <clears throat> that is interesting. So, yeah, 144,000 in Revelation 7, 4, um, that are all numbered from different tribes of Israel. Mm-hmm. They take that as, well, that's us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of convenient. So, hmm. uh, number six, and this is what makes, I think, reasoning with a Jehovah's Witness so remarkably difficult. Yeah. And this is a big one. I think you have to understand this if you're going to engage in a Jehovah's Witness conversation. The Jehovah's Witness insists that their translation of Scripture is the only source of divine revelation. And it's their version of the Bible, which is called the New World Translation. That's the only version of the Bible that's not been corrupted. So they'll say, we just follow the Scriptures. That's all, that's all we do. We just follow the Scriptures. But yeah. there's one version of the scripture that we follow because it's the only one that's not been corrupted. And it just so happens to be the New World Translation, which is their own version. So, and then this leads to this very faulty conclusion that the Jehovah's Witnesses are just teaching the Bible. But that's not true because the Watchtower magazine is like distributed by the millions and it's treated as the infallible interpreter of scripture as well as other publications from the Watchtower Society. So it's not true. If you hear them say, hey, we just do Bible studies. No, no, you don't. And even if they do just do Bible studies, it's a twisted and very, very, very biased version of the Bible. Did Stacey ever get into that with, with your uh, Jehovah's Witness friends? Yeah, a little bit. I think I think she did, yeah. yeah. That's where you kind of, I mean, they have it on lockdown, you know, like that's, oh sure. you really hit a lot of, 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 brick walls with the, with these folks because I mean when you're just looking at completely different bibles and they're like our bible is right your bible is wrong it's mm-hmm. you, you can't really your basis your starting point are just they're kind of different you know yep so it's crazy the new world translation claims to be translated by committee and the committee was this is a quote from them anointed witnesses of jehovah and that's from the original Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic text. And um, the the difference, though, in the New World Translation and other translations is the New World Translation is an intentional, systematic effort at producing a complete version of the Bible that has been edited and revised for the specific purpose of agreeing with the group's doctrine. Hmm. And that is so easy to prove if you just know a little bit of Greek <laughs> or a little yeah. bit of Hebrew. Yeah. Because they're like, no, this is what the Bible says. Well, like, let's go back to the, like, original text that's been around for a long time, long before Charles Taze Russell was the thing. And it's pretty easy to say, like, dude, your your Bible's got it wrong. Like, it was mistranslated. Like, it's it's not right. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, not to mention they didn't they didn't publish any of the names of the translators of this of this Bible. That's right. Yeah. Um and this is according to the Watchtower, uh, they said that the particulars of the New World Bible Translation Committee members, university, or other educational training are not the important thing, and that the translation testifies to their qualifications. Mm, that's a, that's mm. a convenient justification for not it is, it telling is. us why. <laughs> yeah, this is, and according to... Um, uh, the Kingdom of Cults, written by Walter Martin, so excerpt. It says the New World Bible Translation Committee had known had no known translators with recognized degrees in Greek or Hebrew exegesis or translation. None of these wow. men had any university education except for Franz, who was, I guess, one of the guys, uh, um, Frederick Franz, who left school after two years, never completing even an undergraduate degree. Wow. So. 
yeah, I understand that like you can be self-taught. Like, you know, I, I, I maybe read Hebrew like on a third grade level, but I would, I definitely would not consider myself qualified to be a Bible translator. Yeah. Oh my uh, gosh. And, but there is like so much, uh, the job of a translator of the Bible is just so hard. So, so in depth and complex that, yeah, absolutely. I would say higher education and in, in biblical languages is paramount to, to translating the Bible. Absolutely. It is a definite prerequisite to translating the Bible. Yeah. Um, here, here's what's interesting too. This is what makes this translation pretty suspect is new editions of the new world translation were published. Additional changes were made to the text. And those, <laughs> those additions were made because it seemed like biblical Christians would point out scriptures that would clearly argue for the divinity, uh-huh. the divinity of Jesus. And so the watchtower keeps pumping out new editions of the new world translation with those scriptures changed. Wow. Like in an attempt to just scrub out any verses that would make it clear that Jesus is God, they are systematically intentionally changing it, twisting it, and then saying, no, 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 this is what the Bible says. But then like, again, you you should go back to the Greek. Like you can access the Greek. It's not this hidden thing. I mean, like the, (laughs) Hmm. um, so here's some, some interesting revisions from the new world translation. So the new world translation renders the Greek term, um, staros, which is cross. I think I said that right. Yeah. Uh, they render that as torture stake because they don't believe Jesus was crucified on a cross. Hmm. So not only is that like a, a blatant mistranslation, history tells us that, the Romans executed through crosses. Like archaeology tells us that. Like it is the most ignorant thing in the world to say, no, 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 that's not what that means. It's it's torture stake. What? I wonder what they have against crosses. Like that's random. Uh, well, I don't know, but I think it might have something to do with there is a, we'll get into some of the really different beliefs, but like anything that might be considered pagan. Hmm they are completely against and they consider all holidays, pagan birthdays, pagan, Mm. you know, national anthems, pagan flags, pagan, that's idolatry. So part of me wonders if that's why, because you know, it's a cross, right? You worship the cross. Of course it's pagan. I mean, the Romans, (laughs) of course. Yeah. So the new world translation doesn't translate the words Sheol, Hades, Gehenna and Tartuus as hell because they don't believe in hell. So they scrub out the translation of those words in that. Hmm. Um, they give the translation presence instead of coming for the Greek word parousia, which we've talked about that word when we talked about our uh, rapture of the church episode. So parousia is the word we typically associate with the return of Christ or the coming of Christ. Well, instead of saying the coming of Christ they say the presence of Christ because they believe that Christ has already returned in the early 1900s and he's ruling in heaven. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. In Colossians 1.16, this Bible translation inserts the word other, despite it being completely absent from the original Greek text. And it does this to give the view that all other things were created by Christ instead of what the text actually says. The text says in Colossians 1.16, all things were created by Christ but they put in the word, all other things are created by Christ to basically affirm their belief that Christ is a created being. Hmm. Um, and the worst is John 1.1. 1, 1. Which, if you read John's gospel, there is no way, there's no way, and we talked about this when we talked about, is Jesus really God? You can't read the gospel of John and come away from John's gospel concluding Jesus was just a good guy or he was a good teacher. I mean, John makes it so clear that Jesus was God. Right. Right. But John 1, 1 in the new world translation, the original Greek text says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. But the new world translation says the word was a God. Hmm. And man, that is so easy to point to the Greek and say, Hey, look, there is no indefinite article. There is no a God. 
So that, that was added. Like that you, that is so easy to prove that was added. And so, I mean, it's so easy to pick apart, but as we'll talk about here in a minute, it's almost impossible to get anywhere with a Jehovah's witness when you start picking apart the new world translation. Mm-hmm. So you almost have to work through the new world translation to prove to them what the scriptures actually say. Yeah. So, yeah, it seems like there's a, a certain extent of like brainwashing going on with the new, new world translation because yeah, it's like that everything is just kind of like secretive and mm-hmm. kind of on lockdown. And yeah, I mean, you can't really shoot holes at it because it's like, uh, everything's just so shifty and, and slippery, you know, <laughs> it's like yep. Yep. frustrating. Yeah, man. All right. What's the next trait of the J-dubs? Proselytizing. Door to door evangelism. Yeah, it's it's a central knock, feature knock. of their religion. Knock knock. Yeah. Knock, the organization knock. E- <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. The organization equips and sends all its members out into the world to make converts. Yeah. Which in one sense, like it's kind of sad that there is not that many evangelistic efforts anymore from good Bible believing churches. Mhm. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like so many of us, we criticize all these groups that are going out into the world and talking to people in parks and knocking on doors and stuff. But at the same yeah. time, like, we're not doing it. And we actually, like, believe the truth of the gospel. So it's kind of sad to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Not that I, I mean, fallen by the wayside. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like door to door evangelism is effective or do you feel like the Jehovah's witness and Mormons have killed it? Man, that's tough. Uh, I I don't know. I'm not called to be an evangelist. Um, so I'm not, I'm not gifted as much in that area. I think, but I know people who are, Mm -hmm. and I think, I think it can be effective. Um, but I don't think it's effective in the way that we sometimes hope it's effective. I think it's uh, like, you know, we don't we don't get like one out of five people we evangelize start coming to our church and they get born again and baptized. It doesn't often look like that. Sometimes I think it's it's maybe just planting seeds that come into fruition much later in that person's life. Um, yeah. 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 I feel like um the method of evangelism is really important to make sure that whatever culture you're trying to reach, they're actually able to receive and hear what it is you're presenting. And unfortunately, I think in a lot of places, the Jehovah's witnesses and the Mormons have made it to where if you go, at least here in the States and knock on a door and you got a Bible, the first thing somebody's going to think of is one of these groups and say, I'm not opening my door. Right. Right. So we've found just in our church, the best form of evangelism is to be good neighbors, to practice community service, to have gospel conversations with, you know, uh, your son's baseball team and kind of being out in the community and building those relationships and trust. I think that goes a lot way, a a lot further, a long way rather than going to somebody's door and knocking on it, trying to make a sale. I feel like that, that just, that's not as effective, not, not to, you know, that works in some places, which I've not done ministry in other countries where that works, but I just don't feel like here in the States, at least it's as effective as it used to be. So. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. That's a lot to be said about just like being a good employee, you know? Sure. Yeah. You know, people know about your faith and, and you just are an honest human being who works hard. I think that's, that can, yeah. that can go a long way and speak volumes. Yep. So the last trait of the Jehovah's Witness religion is they offer people a very moralistic, monotheistic religion. There is a picture that you're given of this group with like morally clean families, good health, upright behavior. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses that come out of the group say that this can feed a very self-righteous spirit. Um, but I mean, a very, very kind of conservative approach to it. Uh, interestingly, the Jehovah's Witnesses are a very multi-ethnic organization. 
So that's kind of something you see lacking in a lot of Mormon groups. I think mm. Mormons are, are mainly Caucasian. <laughs> mm. It kind of doesn't help that one of your founders said that God had cursed black people until like the 1980s. Yeah. But, you know, that's probably why there's mostly white people in the Mormons. But, um, yeah, not so much the Jehovah's Witnesses. They are very multi-ethnic. But along with that, um, very like conservative, morally clean, family, upright behavior, there's some very distinctive convictions and standards about stuff like uh stuff like blood transfusions so no blood transfusions um no celebrating birthdays religious or national holidays you can't serve in the military uh no pledging allegiance to a national flag no singing national anthems uh personal grooming standards are really stressed so like for guys to have beards or long hair or earrings that 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 would be worldly according to them. So, um, yeah. And that's probably why I mentioned this earlier. That's probably why they're not keen on the cross. Hmm. Right. Cause that would be to them a pagan symbol. And they would think of that as like a, almost like a form of idolatry that you worship the cross, which as Christians, we don't worship the cross, but maybe that's why they think that. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe. Yeah. So let's talk about how we speak to a Jehovah's Witnesses, a Jehovah's Witness who may be trying to convert us. Hmm. So, yeah, I will. Uh, let me take the, the first and the third point, and maybe Gabe, you could do the, the second one. Yeah. So, the reason it's so difficult and what we need to keep in mind is Jehovah's Witnesses have been so coercively persuaded. Gabe used the term brainwashed earlier, mm-hmm. and I think that's probably a pretty fair assessment. So they've been so coercively persuaded through fear and through just like systematic grooming for years that they're teaching a doctrine uh, that's the only one that's right. And so talking to them about their theology is like really, 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 really stinking hard because of that. Well, so, not yeah. to mention they always have like a, a partner with them too, mm-hmm. which is really wise on their part. Um, but also you got to understand too that, um, you know, when you're talking to someone who is a Jehovah's Witness, they believe that their sect, their, you know, brand of Christian Christianity if, if, if you want to call it that, um, is the only right one. So there mm-hmm. is a kind of an air of superiority. Um, they're going to consider you to be brainwashed. They're going to consider you to be following a corrupted or false religion. Um, and they have, the, they have the only true faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess they commonly refer to their doctrine as the truth, um, or to be in the truth. So yeah. right away, um, to, to be corrected by someone who is, in a corrupted uh, faith or, or as brainwashed, you know, they're going to, they're not going to, they're not going to be super receptive of that, you know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one thing to keep in mind before we talk about, you know, maybe some strategies to talk to them about leaving the Jehovah's witness group is unbelievably difficult and painful. If you choose to leave, you are shunned which is called being disfellowshipped and they treat you as if you're dead. Hmm. And so if you grew up in the Jehovah's witness, if your entire family's in the Jehovah's witnesses, if your only community, like the only community you've ever had is in the Jehovah's witness, you have a very good reason to not believe that their teaching is wrong. You have like a very, very, very powerful incentive not to doubt anything you're being told because if you decide, man, this isn't lining up, there's some cognitive dissonance, this doesn't make sense to me, mm. and you question it, and then that leads you to leave the group, man, you lose your family, you lose your friends, you lose everything you've ever known. Mm. And so I think we have to keep that in mind when talking to them, man, like this would cost them everything for them to say, wow, this is false teaching, this is a cult, I need to get out of this. It's not that it's not that simple, right? <laughs> 
Right. Which, I mean, you can get out. I mean, there's a lot of people that do, but man, like just, just how unbelievably difficult and painful it is. It's heartbreaking and tragic. I mean, you can go on YouTube and just type in people who, who've left the Jehovah's Witness just hearing their stories. It is just heartbreaking. Hmm. So I think we got to be compassionate of that. If, especially if you're like, why aren't they getting it? Why aren't they seeing it? It's so obvious. Well, like, listen, that it's not that simple, right? <laughs> right. So there's a YouTuber named Mike Winger, who I highly recommend. I love his stuff. So Mike, if you ever get a chance to watch this video, which you probably won't, uh, but if you do big fan, big fan, uh, his most popular video on his YouTube channel is a very simple tactic on how to converse with Jehovah's Witnesses. And so Malachi, if this is a conversation you want to have with your friend, this would be a great video for you to find or just to listen to us uh, tell you what's in the video. But Mike Winger talks about how Jehovah's Witnesses will plan on giving you magazines and the two magazines would be Watchtower and Awake with an exclamation point magazine. Uh, they'll give it to you free of charge. And then there will probably be two of them that will have a plan of conversation they have been trained in that is designed to lead you to uh, conversion to the JDEBs. And so Mike Winger says, two questions to ask them and one Bible passage. So the two questions are, number one, is Jesus equal with God? And they will say, what, Gabe? <laughs> I'll say, no, definitely not. Yeah. Now, they'll, they'll talk about how, oh, we believe in Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. We believe in Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jesus is great. Jesus died for your sins. You got to believe in Jesus. And so you might have to, like, push them to say, no, 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 but wait, is Jesus equal with God? And they'll say, no. Hmm. And then Mike Winger says, okay, the second question is, if Jesus was equal with God, what would that mean? And then you have to give them time to think and come up with an answer. Hmm. And then Mike Winger says, while they're thinking, take them to a passage that even in their translation of the Bible clearly shows that Jesus is equal to God. Hmm. And that is John chapter 5. Verses 1 through 24. So do you remember this passage? Jesus healing on the Sabbath? Yeah, yeah. He declares himself to be Lord of the Sabbath. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Jesus heals on the Sabbath, and it's kind of comical. The religious leaders get on to Jesus for breaking God's laws. It's kind of funny. Jesus is the one that wrote the law, right? <laughs> so Jesus gets confronted by the religious leaders about it. And Jesus uses this moment to show his deity. And, and this is what, this is so interesting. Even the New World Translation translates it like this. This is what it says. This is why the Jews began seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was also calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. Hmm. Now... <clears throat> It doesn't say that it was just the Jews' opinion that Jesus was making himself equal to God. This is John's commentary that Jesus actually was making himself equal to God. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so then in verse 23, Jesus says, so that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not wow. honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. So what verse 23 is saying is that Jesus should be worshiped as God is worshiped equally. So to honor the son, just as they honor the father. <laughs> wow. So that's when you go back to that second question. If Jesus was equal with God, what would that mean? And then if they have a hard time spitting it out, then you can coach them. It would mean the deity of Christ. Mm -hmm. So if Jesus is God, then your doctrine would be wrong. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Thanks. So, yeah, it's, and, and Malachi, I know because you've you've talked with your your friend for a long time, and you've expressed kind of you guys have gotten to a point where you just agreed to disagree. There's probably not going to be like a checkmate moment or a gotcha conversation. Mm-hmm. There's probably not going to be you know a thing where you share this passage and then they sit there with their mouths you know, open and they just sit there and stare at you and tears fill their eyes. And they say, what does this mean? Like, no, probably not. But you can reason from the scriptures and you can speak with them and, and you can give them like a, what Greg Kokel calls a rock in their shoe to think about. Hmm. Right. So, so yeah, that's what I would say. I'd say that's a, a good, very simple strategy. Yeah. To, to maybe just give them something to think about. But at the same time, like I feel like the best thing you could do is remember that most of the people you're going to talk with, they're moral, well-meaning, sincere people. They're just very deceived and they're misled. And they're lost. So I don't think you can be antagonistic or angry or confrontational. I think you've got to be a friend and you got to be Christ-like. And I think that goes a whole lot farther then you're trying to make a sale. So Malachi, the one who sent us the email, you're on the right path, man. Keep loving your friend, Tim. Keep having conversations with him as long as he's willing to have conversations with you. Keep praying for him. Um, if he's if he's okay with it, maybe like pray over him, like in front of him, and ask for the Holy Spirit to open his eyes. Um, but yeah, you can't argue with Jehovah's Witness into... Christianity, it's just not going to work. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Anything else you want to add to that, Gabe? No, that's really good. I think it just starts, like you said, with kind of undermining the basis of their their whole belief system, which is the the New World Translation. And if you can do that and show from that their own translation the contradictions, uh, I think that will definitely get their their wheels turning a little bit. I think it's good. Yeah. Yeah, <sighs> man, it's and it's it can get discouraging, I think. But you got to keep in mind, like this is a spiritual battle more than anything. The Bible says that the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. And so if it just feels like, man, it doesn't matter what I share with this person, they're not budging. OK, there's like this blinder that's over them. They can't see. Yeah. Um, and it takes the Holy Spirit to melt that hardened heart and take the blinders off and show them the truth of Jesus. And I mean, that's the only way anybody can receive Christ, but especially if somebody has been so systematically brainwashed in false teaching and false doctrine. So, hey, you know what's so interesting about this episode, Gabe? What? We're probably going to have a lot of JWs from YouTube. Watch it. Hmm. Yeah, it's very likely. <laughs> yeah, because we had a bunch of them tune in on the episode we talked about, Is Jesus Really God? And spoiler hmm. alert, they weren't big fans of what we had to say. But How do you know? How do you, did they just like comment and stuff on the video? Or how did yeah, yeah, we had several comments on the video um, okay. from folks from that group. So, And if you're a keyboard warrior, don't go looking for that video and try to figure out how to engage people on it. But Hmm. um, man, if you're a Jehovah's witness and you feel like we misrepresented your group and you want to come on and clear it up, man, come on. We'd love to have you on. We would love to have you Hmm. make a case for your position. If you feel like that's a, it's been misrepresented. Um, We love you and we think you're sincere but we just would plead with you. You're, you're being deceived and you're being misled and uh, we love you. And we want you to know Jesus. We, we don't want you to um, not know God and we don't want you to, to not have eternal life, but you can have eternal life through Jesus, the son and Jesus mm-hmm. is God. He is not just an angel. He is God. He is <laughs> the great I am. Right. So mm-hmm. if you're Jehovah's witness, thank you for watching and, we love you, but we would yeah. love for you to know Jesus. So, indeed, indeed. What you got planned the rest of your uh, your night, Gabe? 
to go unconscious. <laughs> go. That's that's all I got planned. Yeah, I've been Ooh. sipping on some some hot chamomile tea. Yeah. Mm. Just uh, yeah, man. I'm approaching my forties. It's like nine o'clock comes around and this man lights out. What time's your bedtime normally? I try to. I tr- honestly, I try to be in bed at like nine o'clock. Oh well, we're five minutes yeah. past your bedtime, so I'm gonna let you go and yeah. get some Z's. Yeah, get some worries, Z's. No so yeah, yeah. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening. And if you got any questions, send us an email. We will see you guys next time. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. That's our show. If you like what you've heard, be sure to subscribe, share, and as always, send us a question. If you've got one, to the email, beardsandbiblepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.